Welcome to Senior Beat. My name is Christine Beatty, and I'm a proud volunteer with the Madison Senior Center. Our co-producer is Sally Jo Spaney, who is the uh, director of the Madison Senior Center and manager of contracts for aging for the city of Madison. How are you, Sally Jo? Doing well, Christine. Happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to be here, too, <laughs> because this is a program that is really going to be talking a lot about ageism, uh, mm -hmm. a great uh, topic for, for our uh, Senior Beat program. I'm happy to introduce Dr. Lucy Makadiviri-Valmar, who is an associate professor at UW-Milwaukee College of Nursing. And we're so glad that you came today, because I think you have a lot to help us with in terms of learning about ageism. And um, you found the book, didn't I did. you? Actually, I found Dr. Lucy. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and I learned about her book, which is Cultural Safety, Health Care in Vulnerable Populations. And it came to my attention because she does have a chapter here that is titled Contesting Ageism. And um, that's something that we're very aware of in our an industry, um, that it's very necessary to start contesting ageism wherever you are. Right. Could you tell us a little bit about um, your motivation for writing this book? I know you're an educator and a health care provider. Yeah. So talk about what your goal was with sure. writing this so, book. Yeah, as an educator in the College of Nursing at UWM, um, you know, it's important for us to uh, prepare our healthcare providers in a very dynamic um, and changing healthcare system, and um, we try to prepare them to take care of everybody and to be, you know, um, to be well versed in in how to take care of different groups of people. And so, sometimes, you know, as healthcare providers, they come from a specific location or social location, as I talk about in the book. And sometimes you don't ha necessarily have access to different populations. Um, you come to the healthcare system with certain beliefs and values that sometimes need to be contested um, and even unlearned, particularly with regards to issues around discrimination. Ageism is, is one example of discrimination that we learn in Western society. And so that's something to unlearn in order to provide healthcare that advances health outcomes for all the populations with whom we interact. And, and your research uh, is based on uh, feminism or uh, work with women mm -hmm. uh, and uh, African Americans and other populations. So you have, uh, the book is quite broad in its, and we're just focusing on one chapter. And you said that you yeah. did that because your yeah. background Yes, so as a woman of African descent, my focus is, you know, the research that I do is really focused on women's experiences of violence, particularly um, women of African descent, African-American women and African women on the African continent. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote this book, I recognized that there are certain populations as a woman of African descent that um, I needed to pay respect to and I needed to acknowledge their unique health care needs. Um, for us as Africans, we're very... Um, respectful of our seniors in society and so you know I felt that that was important I've also worked in long-term long care facilities so I'm somewhat familiar with the needs of older adults and being an uh, immigrant African woman I sort of compare and contrast my experiences back home with the experiences that I see here in terms of how 
older adults are treated. And so I felt that um, I had a unique perspective to share, but I also felt that um, as we have a you know increased population and older adults, um, people over the age of 65, um, you know we need to be prepared to take care of that population and to meet their unique health needs. And when we come into the healthcare setting. Um, we're not able to shelve the, the biases that we have towards certain populations. And so it's important to reflect on those so that our patients um, can feel well and healthy interacting with us and they can leave the healthcare environment also feeling well and they can um, trust us in the work that we do. I like the uh, comment that you made about um, being reflective. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that um, hard to do with young students? Um, how how yeah. does one yeah. um, help people to be self-reflective of yeah. their biases and their values? Yeah, so in professional nursing, um, especially at UWM, our students are mandated to take a course in cultural diversity in healthcare, and we look at different populations and we really think about the biases that we have. And so we talk about these very issues that you know, what is it that society tells us about older adults? Um, and how can we unlearn those biases and the discrimination that we engage in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then to think about what the benefits of that are, um, can you talk about what some of the benefits are for approaching a patient with cultural humility? Yeah, so I mean, I think if you have a, a bias towards any group of people, but say specifically older adults, that's not lost on your patient when you interact with them, you know, the, the way you are hurried or the way that you um, demean them or even um, devalue them, they, they can sense that from you. And so when you provide recommendations about, okay, this is what I think you need to do to manage your diabetes or your hypertension, they may or may not take you seriously. And so that impacts health outcomes. And I think, you know, even the, the mental well-being of people is affected if we as healthcare providers cannot engage with people in a thoughtful manner, in a, in a manner that, you know, of cultural humility, that has implications for people. So, I mean, you know, outside, you know, that we, we need to work and take on leadership to change the attitudes of society. But surely, you know, when somebody steps into a healthcare environment, they need to feel safe and they need to feel valued. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I'm, I mentioned to you that it, it strikes me as I go into a doctor's office when the doctor walks in and might be uh, very many years my junior, uh, it does impact me. Right. Well, sure. I do have some stereotypes also about that younger person. Right. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be a coming together about how yeah. we um, do that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I, I spoke with um, you yesterday, Dr. Lucy, for a little while, and we talked about about um, elder speak mm -hmm. and, and how mm -hmm. that can really be demeaning to yeah. any of us, mm -hmm. um, and particularly in a healthcare, set healthcare setting. Mm -hmm. And you know, we said, well, how do we change mm -hmm. the Western mm -hmm. society? Yeah. And your response was? Yeah. Well, I mean, we need to change even the words that we speak and how we characterize different groups of people. I mean, I don't know that older adults appreciate being called little old lady or sweetie and honey and this attitude of infantilizing, you know, yes. older adults is is really problematic and I think making a conscious decision to avoid that and again those are behaviors that we've learned in society that we really need to 
um, to stop. You know, for, for me as an African, again, coming from our society, um, when people have a dispute in the community, uh, and it really, you know, we can try to manage it the best we can. But when it gets out of control, where people are coming to blows, the person we call is the senior in the community. And when they come in, you know, the conversation really takes a different turn. You're not going to be engaging in blows when there's, you know, mm -hmm. a senior in, the, in, in your midst. You know, there's a certain level of respect that you have for the environment and what they bring to the table. And mm -hmm. so they tell you, okay, this is how you're handling it and we're moving this way and you listen. So that's the society from which I come. So to come to a space where, you know, older adults are devalued, you know, is, is something that has been really strange to me. And I think it's something that we can unlearn, surely, and we can, you know, learn from different societies how mm -hmm. they engage with older adults in their communities. So this is a case where we can learn from the African model. I think and so. And <laughs> it would be a great help to older people in our, our country. I do think so, yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, were there any other... Um, uh, comments that you thought were, um, or um, statements that you made in your book about contesting yeah. ageism. I thought that was so um, proactive. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do, yeah. do you think that older people themselves should be contesting ageism? I think, you know, my book is really primarily written to healthcare providers and especially uh, professional registered nurses. And so, you know, I truly believe that it's incumbent on us to make sure that the health environment is a safe, the healthcare environment is a safe space for any population that walks through um, our doors or interacts with us, whether it's in the community or elsewhere. Um, and so it is our responsibility to ensure that people trust us. When you come and you see somebody who's, you know, um, younger, they should know that, that, you know, that you're coming to the table um, with some concerns and, mm -hmm. and some trust issues. And so it's our responsibility to say, okay, how do I develop trust? How do I show um, this particular patient that I will do the very best that I can? How can I not engage in discriminatory behaviors that maybe I've learned in my past? What is it that I need to do to be better to ensure that this healthcare encounter is the best that it can be and that when my patient or client leaves this space that they can engage in behaviors that are promoting of their health. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That they trust that individual yes. enough so that when mm -hmm. they are told to take medications, for example, right. or yeah. to exercise mm -hmm. or to right. eat differently, yes. that that advice would be taken. Right. Mm -hmm. Because yes. it is too easy to go yeah. away and and not take that right. that advice. And I think you're right. We have to start with ourselves mm -hmm. and really do that reflection and um, self-examination. You know, there are times um, when I go through life and I'll just notice, oh, that was inappropriate of you, Sally Joe. Because, <laughs> and then I and then if I do take the time to reflect upon where mm -hmm. um, that statement that flew out of my mouth came from, it came from years and years of um, me growing up in this society and seeing it as normal mm -hmm. behavior toward um, an aging adult. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'm very um, interested in learning more about. Um, the African culture toward mm -hmm. um, um, seniors mm -hmm. because of the reverence and respect and um, honor that aging adults 
get in that culture. And I mm -hmm. think that if we can start to migrate that mm -hmm. um, one person at a time into our culture, that we'll be more successful. Yeah, and I think that sometimes, you know, the challenge in our society is that um, there are certain populations that we just don't engage with, you know. Um, so maybe people will have grandparents, but beyond that, they don't engage with older adults in society. And so um, really making sure that there's that interaction with the, you know, different populations that you're maybe uncomfortable with. And um, at our College of Nursing, we work hard to really do that, where we, you know, if students haven't interacted with older adults, then they go to um, spaces where they can interact with older adults if that's something you're not comfortable with because you know if you're working in the emergency room you're not going to be picking and choosing that well I grew up in this community and I only interacted with this group of people so I'm not interacting with anybody who doesn't you look don't like have a choice no. right it doesn't work like right. that so right. you you have to seek the opportunity that's really an excellent uh, argument for intergenerational uh, contact mm -hmm. which is what many of the senior centers try to do is mm -hmm. to get people together so that we understand that um, the picture in our mind of the little old lady may or may not be right. reality mm -hmm. and it's different every time would you give us some contact information for the College of Nursing sure. or UW I know people are going to be impressed sure. with your comments today and I'd like them to be able to get a hold of you sure yeah so our website at UWM is www.uwm.edu okay. so if you search if you type in the search engine College of Nursing you'll be able to find me and many of my colleagues as well at the School of Social Welfare. Welfare. Um, there are a number of colleagues who also um, do research specifically um, with older adults and promoting health care of older adults. Thank you, Dr. Lucy, for joining us today. We're so happy to have your views and your excellent help with learning about contesting ageism. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Senior Beat. Um, we are having a great discussion that we're going to continue on ageism, and it's such an appropriate topic for Senior Beat, and we're very glad to have with us uh, some folks from the Wisconsin Institute for Healthy Aging and Betsy Abramson. 
Abe Vinson yes. and Chris Krasnowski. My goodness, I have had good names today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, glad to be here. And, and you got us some nice buttons here. Mm-hmm. And in the studio, someone said, what's this thing about seven and a half? And I think that's been a very successful tool for you, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. it Tell sure me has. a little bit about the 7.5 campaign. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. And that's what it says right on the button here. Ask me about 7.5. Right. And the reason we, we wear these is that um, research conducted by a public health professor at Yale um, has discovered that people who have a positive image and positive association with aging actually live seven and a half years longer. Than wow. seven and a half years than people who have negative associations. So get happy, people. Yeah. Well, to, to look towards um, positivity, um, and these folks have higher uh, rates of recovery from illness and injury. They have higher brain performance. They have lower memory loss. Mm-hmm. And, and an area that's very near and dear to Chris and my heart is that folks with a positive attitude about aging um, are folks who engage in preventative kinds of strategies and behaviors. Uh, research has shown that those are the folks who actually wear their seatbelts, who ask their doctors about issues, who get flu shots, who um, try uh, to eat better. better. That's right, better exercise and and better nutrition. And those are all healthy behaviors. We know yeah. that. Right. And, um, and yet, some of us have problems doing all of the mm-hmm. things we're supposed to do. Right. And well, if you if you don't think if you think growing older is is inevitable decline you're not very inclined then to go out and try to do things that you think are going to be good for your health that's right so really as we say flipping the switch on this and making people think a little bit differently and what we hope is like really starting at much younger ages that will will start to change the conversation and have people you know grow up seeing being older as a positive thing that's going to have this longevity bonus for them long term so mm-hmm. so that seems to be the thing that's the most impactful for people when they when they see this oh seven and a half years that's that's significant it is. Mm-hmm. so so that's really where the the whole campaign came from Wonderful. That's, the, that's the connection to ageism, right? Um, Christina and Sally Joe is that if society is constantly telling you that aging is horrible and it's nothing but a one-way decline right. into decrepitude and negativity, right. you're not going to bother, as Chris said, to engage. You're going right. to take the why bother? Why bother? It's just a train wreck anyway. I'm mm-hmm. just waiting. Right. And as as Dr. Lucy was just saying, if we only see uh, older people and younger people only see younger people, they don't have any positive role models and they will just buy the the message that they see on TV and in the movies and in advertising, which is that getting old is just one bad greeting card (laughs) telling you that you are over the hill, all washed up and, and... you know, awaiting right. negativity. Right. And as you said, we, we catch ourselves laughing at those mm-hmm. negative greeting cards. I mean, you almost can't go down the aisle of any section and, and not find one for somebody who's older. It's, so we catch ourselves, you know, thinking those things are funny, and we say all the time, we need to enlighten, not shame people, because we know right. this is so pervasive. But when people understand that, um, this this additional longevity bonus mm-hmm. is, is something that they can really access and they see 
that how these negative stereotypes in, in cards and other places really do sort of on a more subliminal level in some ways really influence them. Mm -hmm. um, they're much more inclined to say, I, I can change the way I think about this. That's right. And, and I can do something to make my life better. That's right. Even yes. though I'm growing older, mm -hmm. my health and my being can be better. That's it right. really can be a golden opportunity time of life because, you know, your responsibilities, say, maybe with raising children or working full time um, are, you know, scaled back. And so you still are involved in those activities, but you have more free time and to... And more choice about it. And more choice and can start to really um, uh, embrace Mm -hmm. this time in your life mm -hmm. as a time to try new things. Mm -hmm. You know, there, you can learn anything by watching a YouTube video. <laughs> right. If you want to paint, start, you know, doing right. that. And so research bears out what you're saying, Sally Jo, that um, the happiest people in the country are older people. Mm -hmm. They've stopped striving and stopped stressing, and they're reflecting on what they've accomplished, and they're now looking for new ways to learn and grow and give back. It's and spend freeing. their time. It's freeing. Mm -hmm. It's right. freeing. And, and I think that's an advertising for the senior centers. Absolutely. <laughs> Never Absolutely. stop, do you? Well, I don't. I don't. I'm a proud volunteer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. Yeah, I mean, think about a safe place where you can try some new things mm -hmm. or learn something new and the discussion mm -hmm. groups and the book oh. clubs and the right, right. painting classes. Music. Right. The music. Yeah. And especially right. the senior centers that have an intergenerational focus oh, to yes. them yes. that are really more of a community center. Right. Mm -hmm. and, you know, my, I just had breakfast with my son this morning and he was saying he just moved his three year old daughter to a daycare at a YMCA mm -hmm. instead of a you know all kids and he mm -hmm. said it's remarkable the difference instead of being around only other toddlers all day she sees healthy older people yeah. and I mean mm -hmm. older older people right. going in and out of the exercise room mm -hmm. and Wonderful. anytime she sees someone with white hair she you know in the back she thinks it's her grandmother yeah but the idea of her being around this mixed age group that's right mm -hmm. because you know again research shows if if in intergenerational context, if we take a trot a bunch of Girl Scouts to a nursing home to sing and they don't have any meaningful connection, they just watch very um, uh, much older right. folks who are very compromised. And ill. And ill. They have a very negative association with right. aging. Mm -hmm. So we owe it to our young people right. also. I mean, it's kind of too late. Our, our <laughs> feelings about our aging have been pretty internalized. Mm -hmm. But we can show younger people that it's great to be older and there's so much to look forward to and, and offer them, therefore, the seven and a half years. And that can be another reason to change your perception. If you're not going to do it for yourself, if it's if it feels overwhelming or your your um, programming is going to be hard to, to override, mm -hmm. um, but if you think of it in terms of how can I, like, you know, sort of stop this for mm -hmm. moving forward for other generations, it's another great reason to... Again, flip the switch mm -hmm. on aging. It really is. And I think that um, this reminds me of a conversation I was having with a woman at the public library on Monday night who um, frequently was referring to herself as, well, I'm just an old lady. I'm just, well, I'm old, mm -hmm. you know, was kind of the preface of She's whatever. society's message. I right. Think that the problem and with that is the word just. Right, right. I'm yeah. just an old lady. Mm -hmm. Like, right. no. And I finally it, said, um, you know, it might be... Uh, more empowering to think of yourself as chronologically gifted mm -hmm. and full of opportunities. Because yeah, or think of yourself as, I'm an old lady. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's not I a bad thing. <laughs> that's a good but thing. But you know, Sally Jo, old 
has become synonymous with bad. Mm-hmm. It, it it's almost a two-syllable word. Mm-hmm. You know, she looks so old, mm-hmm. and it's it's very, very negative now. And mm-hmm. we all internalize that. And things like not asking somebody's age or hiding your age or shaving off a couple years when somebody asks you what you are. Mm-hmm. We're essentially in the don't ask, don't tell thing mm-hmm. about aging, mm-hmm. which is just as bad for older people and younger people's view of older people mm-hmm. as it was for the gay and lesbian community. Mm-hmm. So we really all have to come out about our age. And you were asking Dr. Lucy about uh, some challenges. And sometimes I'm in meetings when I hear people say, well, I'm really dating myself, mm-hmm. but I remember when, and like like it's bad to say that you have all this wisdom and from experience and experience right. from yeah, thirty right. years accumulated working in this field, and mm-hmm. maybe you could offer some perspective right. to it. Um, right. You know, so it, we we have so much internalized aging, uh, aging ageism mm-hmm. that we're embarrassed to be who we are right. instead of looking at it like what a gift. Right. My right. grandmother, one of my grandmothers, was dead by six. 63 and uh, you know and and here I am 64 mm-hmm. and have a whole lot of more years planned oh, yeah. so to look at this as, as Chris says as a longevity bonus and a gift and what am I going to do with that what am I going to learn and what am I going to give back sure. and what am I going to share from oh, what I've absolutely. accomplished and, and, and I think from a conversation I had with Chris a few months ago um, you shared that we were talking about the 7.5 campaign and you shared that when people go to the doctor um, only about 20% of what, mm-hmm. can you talk about that sure. 20%? Um, yeah, the, the UW um, Population Health Institute does a social determinants of health, or de- just determinants sure. of health, sorry. There's another one called mm-hmm. that too. Um, and they've really concluded that um, only about 20% of your health outcomes are, are a direct result of your intersections with the healthcare system, so your business mm-hmm. with doctors. A full 30% is really based on your own health behaviors. So your own ability to self-manage and, and because we're not saying people aren't going to get a chronic condition like diabetes or arthritis. True. Sure, the incidence of those things does go up as you get older. But, but the programs that we offer at the Wisconsin Institute for Healthy Aging are really based on self-management and behavior change. Yeah. And all you need to do is believe you can. And there are things that we can, as an organization sure. with programs, show you how to do. That science has proven. That's that research science. has proven. That's that whole business of evidence-based That's right. um, uh, That's classes. That business. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, people kind of stumble over that word. But the idea is this class mm-hmm. or this course of action mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has been proven by good research, mm-hmm. solid research, to have excellent outcomes for you in terms of your health or whatever. Right. Um, so when you hear that term, evidence-based, you can feel like that's the, the seal of approval. That's a gold seal of Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the standard. And that's, that's kind right. of our niche. That's our reason for being. We only work with evidence-based programs because we feel really comfortable telling folks, if you take this a far falls prevention program called Stepping On, for example, you'll see a 31% reduction in falls. Yeah, and they can you know even, that's true. They can pinpoint 31% right. Research and proven. Right. right. In our diabetes self-management program right. or chronic conditions right. or your our caregiving support programs sure. all have direct outcomes 
that uh, both about your confidence in being able to manage your risks, about decreasing the negative symptoms of, of uh, depression or fatigue uh, or feeling overwhelmed and managing well, and people, this you and know, hospitalizations. You're about some of that things, and you, a lot of people say, oh, I'm old, so I'm supposed to feel wow. depressed or fatigued or, mm, right. yeah, yeah, I mean... No, it's no, not no connection. Right. No, not, not right. no connection, but, but we have some medicine for that. And that's right. And evidence-based programs for right. it. That's right. And that's right. that's what the medicine is. It's not a pill you take. It's skills you learn. Right. You know, the falling, you think, the one in four right. older people who fall every year, it's not inevitable that people right. fall right. when they turn 65. But if you don't do anything to prevent your falls... Uh, but it's not just your son coming in and yanking up your throw rugs. There's a whole bunch of strategies sure. in medication and vision and and the footwear. and footwear, footwear and what you do about how you range your house and the all important balance and strength exercises Exercise. that will get you that 31 percent reduction in falls. And right. we're eager to share that good medicine sure. with with other older adults so that they can have the confidence that they're approaching their right. aging years positively. Um, give me some contact information for where people can get a hold of you. You bet. Um, you can find us online at wihealthyaging.org. Okay. So wihealthyaging, all together, one mm -hmm. word, dot org. Mm -hmm. um, and there, once you're there, um, we have all... Uh, um, a display of all of the programs that we offer and a way that you can find a workshop in your area. That's great. You can mm -hmm. also at that same wehealthyaging.org slash ageism, mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. find a whole lot of materials we have about the buttons and the cards that explain this. And we have some scenarios and what you say, uh, uh, an enlightening but not shaming way of when somebody <laughs> says, I'm having a senior moment mm -hmm. eh, eh, yeah. or you yeah. know how to address some of that. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so glad that you came today. Thanks, and I think the message is no ageism. We can't have it. No, it's right. not healthy for us. It's bad and, for everyone's health. And it's mm -hmm. never too late. Exactly. That's it. Thanks for being here. Thanks Thank so much you. for Thank having you. us. See you next month on Senior Beat.